2: What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grind Line podcast. I am your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler for episode 223. Uh, Ryan can't see himself, so this is going to be kind of odd. Normally, I can see him, but he can't see himself, which is kind of funny. And Tyler can see him, too, but he can't see himself, which is kind of. Oh, he figured it out. figured it out, bitches. he raised his hand. Uh, Tyler, nice of you to join us this week. We have some stuff to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about playoffs. We're going to talk about the Red Wings cap situation and kind of uh, draft lottery situations that I uncovered uh, recently that are confused a few people that were just it was it's kind of a weird situation. There's a very minuscule chance of it happening. But how are you guys doing tonight? I got to witness the the beginning. I should say not
1: the beginning, but the end of the Boston Bruins season. Uh, one season that was, uh, you know, as as you guys thought, the best season, the best season in NHL history. I say one of because you know there's there's overtime losses and, and overtime wins now, so I guess no,
0: it's literally the like there was no ifs ands or buts about it. It is the best. I hate to like state the obvious. It was the best season.
1: It. I mean, it definitely was. They were the most dominant from start. To they come.
0: still had to win the games, and they broke that record. So overtimes or not, like... If you
1: look at teams-wise between the 77 Canadians and this Boston Bruins team, or even the wings of the 90... Uh, what was it? The 95, 96 wings. Um, the, the, the roster's not comparable. I mean, come on. The Canadians, they had like 9 or 10 Hall of Famers on those teams. Boston has, what, maybe 2, 3, if that? So the roster wise, it's different, but obviously the game has changed. So yes, in terms of the modern era, definitely the best team, better than that 2019 lightning, regardless, they're out. I'm happy. I think a lot of people are happy. I'm doing well. I'm glad to be back here. Uh, And I am going to defend myself just very quickly.
2: Oh, so you listened to last week's. I episode. did. I, t- I tipped him so, off
0: too. I was like, "Hey, you're gonna have to defend
1: your honor here."
2: I did. So here's the thing. Yeah. So I love making fun of Tyler, and then he has to come on and defend himself. I will
1: never call myself a car guy. Um, you know, despite having a family of people that that have worked with cars and and all that stuff, even basic car stuff, I'm not really that great with. So, um, you know, gas goes in tank. That's what, you know, I know gas goes in the tank and you got to change your oil every once in a while. So anyways, so here's the thing. So I, for one, don't usually forget oil changes. So here's the thing. I, I forgot to get my oil changed.
0: How do you typically track your oil changes?
1: By the mileage up at the top left corner that they put in as a sticker. Basically, or actually no, by the date is where I was tracking it, and that's where I made the mistake.
0: So there you go. I was gonna say, I think I told you to track by the mileage in our conversation. So
1: the date said 519-2022. Okay. So that would
2: have been a year ago. That's a long fucking time ago.
0: It was last May?
2: It was last May,
0: correct?
2: No. R- Ryan, it's May 1st right now.
1: So here's the thing. When I moved here to where I'm at now. I could have sworn like 98% positive that I went down the street to the Jiffy Lube here and got my oil change. I was like 98% certain. I even looked for the receipts and everything because even the guy that pronounced my car dead, the first guy that that basically um, looked at it and, and was going to charge me
0: $5,000, it's dead.
1: Yeah, he's like, you know, the, the, you're going to need a whole new engine. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to get a second opinion. And so I got my dad involved, and my dad's like, oh, yeah, I know this guy that's worked on our cars. Let's bring it to him. So regardless of the situation, I thought the oil was changed. It wasn't changed according to the first guy. Well, the second guy told me that th- if it wasn't changed, there's no fucking way that your car would be running still. What we've come to the conclusion of is there was still oil in there. So it was just very, very, very low on oil. And what happened was while I was driving down the highway, um, the car felt like it, quote unquote, seized up. But I think with the newer cars, there's like a mechanism in the computer say like to put it in like a certain like limp mode once the vehicle, you know, doesn't have enough oil before it seizes
2: kind of thing. This is the long way of saying you done fucked up. In I did fuck up.
1: Anyways, cars fixed all good got a couple of lights on still but um th- those seem to be <laughs> that'll take they, care of themselves. they show you how to check your own oil
2: yeah like to pull out the dipstick on i know how to check and... my
1: oil i know how to check my oil that okay. i do know how
2: to do all right well that was a great five minute explanation of how you fucked up your oil change
1: i did fuck up my oil change and it almost cost me five thousand dollars
2: I thought you were going to yell at me for making fun of you, but you just had to defend your car. No, owner, I mean, so. you made fun of me
1: rightfully so. I mean, I kind of <laughs> fucked up there. So I could not tell the group why you weren't here. So I was looking for new cars because I'm like, well, I work, you know, 35, 40 minutes away from where I live. So I'm going to need, you know, a vehicle like with the quickness kind of thing. And so, you know, I, I don't know. But, uh, anyways, I fucked up. I got lucky. And um, we're going to talk some
2: hockey. So that's good. All right. Playoffs. I kind of got. Yeah, we got way, way off track. (laughs) But the final (laughs) game of the first round is currently happening right now between the rags and the devils. Uh, It is currently zero zero. Last I checked. And I'm really pulling for the devils here. But there have been some upsets. So I think the biggest upset. And if we want to talk to it off the top and we kind of mentioned the Bruins. And the Bruins uh, were, uh, yeah, huge choke job. Uh, I see the biggest choke in NHL history. And I'm like, OK, literally it, it is. But it's and it wasn't that just the Bruins didn't play hard enough. The cats won the game like well, they also apparently played with a broken goalie. Was he broken? I know that Bergeron had a has a herniated disc in his back.
0: Did you see the tweet from Kevin Weeks earlier today?
2: No. Hold on. But I mean, you got to be able to overcome stuff like that. Now, I think what what was the Panthers saving grace is their teams mostly healthy. That's the whole thing. And Bob went pretty Bob went pretty good out there. And it was it was a great goalie show. But OK, Ryan, did you find it?
0: I did. So apparently per weeks. And if you watched Olmark, he didn't look right. Kevin Weeks today. Bruins, like all teams, players gritted out to play through major injuries in the playoffs. My sources tell me soon to be Vezina goalie Olmark was playing through a debilitating and painful injury that limited his mobili- mobility and technique. So he pulled his groin. That's Don't what know. it sounds. I mean, yeah, I, you is- could tell that he was not moving right. It was around game three or four that seemed like something had happened.
1: The the other part of me wonders, like, and, and going back to what you were saying first. The program that I listen to at like six o'clock, it's a Red Sox. It's like an hour of talking Red Sox kind of thing. They have like their own show. And after that, they they'll they'll switch to the Bruins. So sometimes if I'm getting out of my car and going back in, the 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 station 985 is still on. So I'll hear like what they're talking about. And it was it was interesting because they were talking about uh Allmark. He got up lame in like one of like the Washington game. This was back in like March or something or maybe early April. And there was another game where he kind of got hurt and came out of the game and and then didn't make the trip to Montreal, I think, for the last game or one of one of their last couple games of the season. He didn't make the trip. I think it was down to Philly or or Washington, one of those places. And then he ended up playing like a couple days later. So everyone thought it was fine. I did not think it was fine. Now, obviously, you guys know I live in Massachusetts, so my roommates had the games on, and so I'll watch the games if they're on. Big and true, and um, yeah. So there, there seemed to be something wrong with them, and it you it kind of showed, you know, it, and and uh, that was certainly a part of of where they went wrong. I think honestly, I don't think enough people are blaming the def- the defense corps and how
2: bad they were. Even even McAvoy was not good. That's part of it, but, like, if you know your goalie's that injured, you put in Swayman. Yeah, take Swayman's basically a, a 1B kind of goalie. You you take the chance there. You don't say, I, and I get it. Hockey players are stubborn, and they're going to say, put me out there and let me play, as is evident by Patrice Bergeron playing with a herniated disc. But if the goalie's your last line of defense, and if your goalie can't move right, and your backup goalie has been as good or even a little, I mean, less good, than all mark but just i mean still a better than a lot of starters in the nhl you put them in but i guess my question is and you know i'm not because i'm looking at my bracket right now and i had cats in seven and seven cats one and seven but were you guys surprised that the bruins lost and do, how much do you chalk it up to the president's trophy curse
0: i'm surprised they lost but i don't think it was a curse i think it literally did come down to you had such a good rotation going with your goaltenders all season. If one guy struggled a little bit, you switched him out. Why would you not play Swayman in game four or five? Get him the time in the in the series. You had that rotation going. I don't care. Yes, you see the stats with Old Mark but you also could visibly see he wasn't okay. Yet he went out there every game. So is he jacked up on something to make it pain go away? Possibly. But of course, it's a million and a half cortisol shots. But just make the fucking switch. I think that literally cost in the series. Now, not trying to discredit what Florida did because they stuck to what they're good at and that pissed that pissed them off. And they brought the fucking fire in every game. But there's no excuse to for Boston to lose the way that they did. And I think it, a lot of that does fall on Montgomery, more or less ignoring. I mean, I get Olmark probably said, no, I'm fine. But at the same time, you have a training staff and a full coaching staff to identify that your goalie's not fucking okay. And he still played through that. So who – is it on the goalie? Is it on the staff? Or is it on the team? Like, some, something broke there to me where Olmark shouldn't have been even playing those last several Yeah,
1: weeks. so from my understanding uh, and just listening to the radio, because like I said, it's kind of on in my cards, Boston Sports Radio just in general. Um, they were talking – they were kind of making fun of of Montgomery and what he said before game seven and, and even like earlier in the series, maybe game four where like uh, goalie Bob is making the decisions on who should be playing goalie he, goalie Bob, which I, be, I believe is a goalie coach is making the decision on who should be playing goalie. And um, he's like, yeah, his goaltenders, his goaltenders. Like y- you think like maybe it's your goaltenders as, as the, the head coach and the head man of, of the team, uh, quote unquote, the best team in NHL history, regular season wise. I mean, that, that's a second guess. Now, my other thing is too, and, and Flo- credit Florida, Florida really played their ass off. Every time you thought that they, it, that it was over, it wasn't. Um, game five had, or was it game five or game six? No, game six had a bunch of different lead changes. I think it was four different lead changes And I mean, it was a tremendous hockey game, but Boston gagged it away. But Florida took it away from them, too. Kachuk played a hell of a series. If anyone wants to dispute me, he's a top 10 player in the NHL right now. He is a hell of a hockey player. And you know what? There's not enough players like him out there. Um, But honestly, I think the tale of the tape is Florida reminded me a lot of that 2010 Philadelphia team where where Boston got up 3-0 kind of had some injuries, kind of some excuses and Philly just kind of took it away from them. I think it was kind of similar to that. It felt like any time Florida was down, it kind of felt like they were still in the series, even early in the series. I think it was game one and game two, Florida still played some pretty good hockey and they, you know, they could have skated out of Boston with a two games to none lead, but they didn't. So Yeah. And I said,
2: cortisone, cortisone shot. And that's what that's they just they have a bunch of syringes just sitting in the back when the guys go back so they can shoot them up. But I think it's just uh, small. They still have that, or they finally get outlawed. No cortisone shots. They're for pain and inflammation. You put them right into the site. Is
0: that still? It's allowed. Is that frowned upon now?
2: No, no. It's just. I mean, it's not a not a game booster, but it lets people play through injuries. Yeah, so, I mean it's and and like you said, Tyler, it's a series of small missteps and then probably a couple bad decisions to like like we said, play the wrong goalie if you know your goalies. hurt, unless Swayman was hurt worse, which I I can't see that being the case. And they end up losing that series, and the Cats advance, and it helps my bracket. I so, got
1: one thing on that. Um, I I saw a stat. I was just listening to uh, I think it was NHL Network Radio, and they were talking about how um. Hampus Lindholm is it, yeah, Hampus Lindholm has 0 points as a Boston Bruin defenseman in the playoffs in 9 games I want to say. not their big acquisition games, whatever it was. They lost in 7 oh 14 games because they lost in 7 last year too. So, 14 games, 0 points for for basically a guy who could get
2: Norris votes. I mean, he was really fucking good for Boston this year. Yeah, votes don't count in the uh, the postseason, though. So I had Florida beating Boston in seven. Uh, the only one I've missed so far is Tampa Bay and Toronto. And let me tell you how pissed off I am about Tampa Bay and Toronto, because Tampa played so well in so many of those games and then had a two minute memory lapse where they completely collapsed and let Toronto take those games back. at least three of those games, I don't think Toronto earned Toronto did not earn those games. And people are saying that Toronto is just going to stomp Florida. That's going to be a really interesting matchup because when Florida could come out like that and grit it out with the best team in the league and one of the best teams in NHL history to say that Toronto is just going to come out and stomp them, I think is a bit disingenuous. And again, watching the Tampa Bay Toronto series And Ryan O'Reilly brought some of it to the team, but I think Toronto still lacks the physicality and the toughness to be a super legitimate playoff team. And I think that's where Florida might beat them is just they might beat them physically. And the other part of it is I think that goaltending is going to be a little shaky for Toronto because it looks like there may be an injury there from some videos that uh, people were showing where Samsonov was kind of coming up and in like relaxing his arm on his uh, leg pad, kind of like in some people say, well, that sometimes can show that there may be a groin injury there. So Toronto might also be a little more banged up than they look.
1: Yeah. I had the Leafs winning that series. I mean, I, you guys know, I, I do like awesome Matthews a lot as a player. Um, I'm not old enough to hate the Leafs as a Red Wings fan. Maybe I will grow to at one point or another. It's more the fan base than the actual team. Yeah, I don't team. care about the fan base because I don't have to deal with the fan base. I don't follow any of them on Twitter. I, d- I have a couple friends that are Leafs fans uh, just from Xbox or, or whatever. But um, most of them are pretty good fans, kind of like we are with the Wings. So um, I-, I-, I can't really speak to the outrageous Leafs fan because I don't really interact with them. But I, I can understand why people hate the Leafs and why it gets kind of shoved down people's throat. But I mean, kind of like the Cubs, they do have you know very passionate fans, and you know at, at one point or another, passionate is another cup,
2: word for delusional.
1: They they were gonna get it done at one point or another. They had a good team. Cubs this fans were of, weren't
0: bad. That's the problem is that they were actually you know you felt bad for them. Oh, Leafs I did. fans. I've been did. jacking off on people's faces all this time when they haven't won a cups in fucking a hundred thousand years.
1: Well, you know what though? And I think a lot of that has to do with how big it is there, you know, in terms of oh, fuck. Of, of hockey. Great. great.
2: Have... So what?
1: Win something. I'm just saying. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of places like that. Montreal
0: hasn't done a goddamn thing since 93. I mean, they, they at least made it to a cup final, final which you could true. debate as an actual cup final, but it's still, they still made it there. On paper. Right, right. And I mean,
1: you know, again, but like I said, it's, it's, they're kind of like Cowboys fans. Either you love them or you hate them. And I kind of am indifferent, I guess, just because I do like a couple of the players on the Cowboys team.
0: fans have still been at more relevancy in the in the last quarter century than the Maple Leafs.
1: That's true.
0: I, I like we we talk about, like you are a little bit older
1: than me. I'm not throwing shade or anything, but you understand the old Norris rivalry. I I mean I understand it, but I'm not. You're not wasn't there.
2: sixty years old, Tyler. Like you get a few gray hairs, and 30s. Tyler thinks <laughs> you're just fucking. Okay, dad. but as
1: long as I've been alive, the the Leafs have been in the Eastern Conference, and the Wings were in the West until 2014. So we had no like animosity and. They started getting good, and we sucked. We've never both been good at the same time in a long time, and I guess maybe the closest we've been is this year um, where the Wings actually beat them a couple times. So I'm happy for for a guy like Austin Matthews. I wouldn't say I'm happy for Toronto per se, but I'm happy for Austin Matthews. He's a good hockey player. I feel like a lot of people are like, he's overrated. He can't win in the playoffs. Well, he just shoved it up your ass. So
2: I think the thing with the series was part of it is kind of me looking at it and saying, oh, well, the team that Iserman built is finally starting to break down. Iserman's not there anymore, so he hasn't been the one to, to make the decisions. And I went and I looked. I'm like, well, maybe Tampa can restock. And the Tampa Bay With Lightning what? <laughs> do not have any draft picks until the sixth round this season. They are also missing their first and second round pick in 2024 and their first round pick in 2025. So they're not gonna be doing shit. And who was most of that capital time. spent on? Uh, Tanner to well? yeah. who was a healthy scratch. Yeah. It's just it's mind-boggling when, when a guy like Iserman leaves somewhere and you see the slope. Now they were gonna have a decline regardless. But I don't think he would have made as many jumpy moves to try to keep them relevant because You look at it and you say, well, how far can we go in the playoffs? We've still got a good team. we got a good core. Now, I think losing uh, Cernak was a big loss for them when Bunting knocked him out. And I think Bunting should have been out as long as he was out. He was out for the whole series. But it shouldn't have hurt them that bad. And Hedman, I think Hedman was still injured throughout that whole thing, even though he came back and played.
0: Oh, he was absolutely not right. You but tell. as the yeah. longer that series went on, he wasn't moving the right way. Like his reactions were just shit.
2: Yeah. So you look at their their situation now and it's not good because they have one of the highest cap hits in the league. It's not going down anytime soon. They have no draft picks coming up. And I think they are a prime candidate for an Iserman fleece in the offseason because they need picks. We've got an Islanders pick that's going to be 17 or 18. We have a Boston pick from uh, first round from Boston next season in the from the Bertuzzi trade. I think there's going to be opportunity there where maybe you can get a good player from Tampa in order to give them some more picks to start building up because their guys aren't getting any younger and their chances are going to start dwindling again. So if they want to become relevant or even if they want to just start or if they want to become relevant, if they want to stay relevant, or if they want to start a mini rebuild or a retool to try to keep it going, we have the picks to help them out, and they have good players in return. I don't know
0: who you're going to pry free. I mean, maybe you can go get a, a, a Cernak, Cernak, however you want to say it, because he's 25 years old. He's but he's about to get a near. He's getting a two and a half million dollar pay raise, going from two nine five to five two, almost. So he's bumping up quite a bit. Like their defense is pretty much locked in place. What if you get an Anthony Sorelli? You want to pay him six point two five mil? He's twenty five years old. Yeah. Yeah, but what is he though?
1: That's the question. What what is Anthony Sorelli? Is he a middle six guy? Is he a middle six guy or is he a, a guy that can put you over the top? Not not saying he
0: can play anywhere and he is six foot one ninety three, so nothing crazy. Okay. But he's a great skating center slash wing. I love the way he plays. I will he say that. He plays hard. Play. Like, he will get in your face. Like, he's a guy that I think I've bitched about several times over on the Twitter sphere. So, obviously, he'd probably be a great fit. Because if I hate him, then he's probably a guy that you would want.
2: Ryan hates the good players. Until they come here, then he loves them. I mean, it's a tale. With everyone the early. one thing
1: I look, look at Sorelli, though, I mean, he's... Six years in the NHL and the most points he's ever had in the season, uh was forty-four, and that was back in the nineteen twenty season, which was in sixty-eight games. So, but he hasn't played a full. He's played one full season. That was eighteen nineteen. I don't know that he's worth six point. What is it? Six point four.
2: But look who he's playing behind. So he's playing yeah, behind true. a kutrov He's playing is it behind a, a Stamkos. Every situation. He's playing behind a point. Uh, A lot of people are still uh, clamoring for Alex Kalorn. He's too old for what we're trying to do. Kalorn will be 34 years old, and people say, Oh, sign him on a two year deal. Well, we're trying to trade for pieces that are going to be part of the long term plan.
0: I could still see them going out and getting a guy like Alex. It'd be a one year filler deal. Yeah, one year deal. Like you've already got Perron signed for one, unless you're having Kalorn be that extra veteran fill in presence that David Perron is. Like, because yeah, he'll be 34 at the start of the season. Killorn will. Yeah, but if you look
1: at the um, the acquisitions that Eisenman did last offseason, yeah, they were younger guys, but they're also still guys that have had winning pedigree. Alex Killorn kind of fits that, especially sure. if it's just a one-year deal, cheap kind of thing. Um, you're not going to go give him like what Andre Pilat got in New Jersey or anything crazy like that. But if you could get him on a – what's he making now um, – Four, Over five, four, four.
2: yeah, or five. He's not going to make that again, is he? Or no. Anything? Well, I mean, Kalorn, he'd oh, probably no. want four. I mean, look how he performed. This is, I think, I think this season was his best season on record. So if he's still performing at that level, I wouldn't take a pay decrease. If anything, if I'm Alex Kalorn, why
1: the hell am I going from Tampa, Florida, to anywhere else other than maybe the West Coast or something? Um, Tampa yeah, won't have the money. Especially, well, yeah, but what if he takes 2.2 or something?
0: The pay raises they've got coming out across the board, like even on defense, they're, they've are they already got more money coming out of pocket, and that's with the Ian Cole coming off the books. There are $4 million more on defense going into next season without Ian Cole being paid $3 million.
2: What it comes down to is that we're going to be able to take advantage of cap crunch teams, which we'll talk about in I a hope little so. bit. I want to get to the only other matchup that I think was kind of a surprise for people. And that was Colorado and Seattle. Uh, Seattle comes out and wins the series. It was a great series. They watching that team is it's like watching a team on speed. Like they come out fast. They hit hard. They don't take shit. They they're high flying. They've got good offense and they took it to Colorado. Now Colorado missing Gabe Landeskog, that kind of hurt them. Uh, it didn't help that McCarr got suspended for a game, but it was a really good matchup. And I think those were some of the best games I watched for the Colorado Seattle games. The Seattle fans are fucking pumped, and they've always had a good, such a good fan base, no matter the sport. Seattle will be going up against Dallas. I think they beat Dallas, and I think they lose to Vegas in the conference. I think final. there's zero chance they beat Dallas. Oh, I think they, I think they go on to play Vegas in the conference final. So my final, my Stanley Cup final is Vegas and Carolina, and I've got Carolina winning.
0: The the speed that Seattle plays with, I I did not really to me I didn't see that type of speed coming out
2: with Dallas in their series. No, not at all. Dallas is well. Dallas is also a very old team. Yeah, but I mean, the you watch the Colorado-Seattle
0: series, they were flying. Edmonton and L.A. also flying. The speed of those two series has not been touched by any other one in the league right now.
2: No, and it's been fantastic. Like, that high-speed hockey. hockey has been great. Now, Tyler, I'm going to give you a minute to bitch about the officiating. Okay,
1: okay so first of all, I want to just defend the Dallas Stars, who... You guys know I have an aunt
2: that lives in Dallas who's
1: this cute just huge. We didn't say anything there. bad about them.
2: Is your aunt Jamie Ben because he can get the fuck out of here? Okay,
1: I'm not a Jamie <laughs> Ben guy, but I do like Robertson and I do like Ottinger because I watched him a lot at BU and stuff like that. So, anyways, but the officiating has been absolutely pathetic. Um, we've been talking about this for a long time. The reason people watch playoff hockey is not to sit here and watch power play after power play after power play after power play after power play. After power play. It's boring. The game was meant to be played five on five. And yes, if there's an infraction that you that you see, and and it's they're it's not even calling
0: dick. the ones that you
1: see. In some games, they are though, Ryan. And some games are calling everything, and it's ridiculous. The Tampa Toronto series games one and two were insane. The Carolina series, every time we had three TVs going at once. Don't commit the penalty. And but you can't just call everything. That's not the way. Like if the, it's a penalty, it should be a penalty. Okay, I see. I don't agree with that because the game. Needs you don't to change flow. the rulebook, though. The, they've always done it that way. Why?
0: Why change now? Not a, the only way it's changed, and there's stats to prove it. Is the numbers drop the longer a series goes, in terms of penalties being called? Okay, and that's a good thing. Not when a guy takes a high stick across the side of the face with the ref staring right at him, he doesn't make the fucking call, which likely decided the fate of the game.
2: Yeah, now well, that's when it that.
0: that the see, ice. but that
1: I would call egregious.
0: That I would They're call not egregious. calling the
1: egregious shit. That's my problem. Okay, so they should call the egregious stuff. But the ticky-tack little little whack on the hands, come on. That's a regular season penalty. Fine. You, you know, um, finishing a check or something, you know, you call that interference. Give me a break. This is the
0: playoffs. I mean, got rightfully called for interference. Yes,
1: I agree. I agree. He was, and he was suspended, and, and that was according, according Pat Maroon to Maroon got correction. away with
0: the borderline boarding interference call.
1: But in terms of, of the way the playoffs are supposed to be, I mean, obviously they're still high flying and they're fantastic. And, and you know, there's no sport that's, that has better playoffs or regular season for that matter. But in terms of the officiating, they just, they don't, it feels like the younger officials don't have a feel for the game. It's just like at the worst times, they call these ridiculous ticky tack penalties with two minutes left in the game. And it's like now a team's going on the power play. Like make the team earn the game. Don't fucking give it
2: to them by giving them a power play. That's my thing. I think the issue still comes down to like Ryan is mentioning it's the inconsistency. They'll miss. That
1: comes with the younger officials.
2: But a lot of it's been Wes McCauley calling terrible calls. There's been, I mean, a lot of it's the older guys and there's not many, I don't think many super young guys officiating the playoffs because a lot of times they give it to the older guys. The seasoned referees get the playoff games, but it's, it's the inconsistencies. So yes, they'll call a little interference call, but then miss a major boarding or they'll call, um, now the hand pass, the hand pass was a hand pass. You could bitch Boston fans. You can bitch about that as much as you want. That was a hand pass and that's rightfully called. But they'll say, well, it decided the game. Well, don't do it. But you have to be consistent throughout the entire game. Now, it could shift from game to game. Maybe one game, they're super consistent, call it by the book. And the next game, they let some more stuff go. But it has to be consistent throughout the entire game. And that's where we've lost it. And I saw that especially in the Toronto-Tampa series, where... They'd call two or three penalties and they'd let five or six things go so that the players are like, hey, they're letting it go. And then they start getting rough again and then they start calling it again. So they're disrupting the flow of the game because the players kind of I feel like the players go based on they they see what's being called and they know how much they can get. They think they know how much they can get away with during the game. So if they start the game rough and they're out there and they're not calling anything and then all of a sudden an arm goes up. And you're like this is the way we've been playing the entire game it kind of throws off a rhythm and that's where it's getting messed up instead of the game being a nice flow you watch it and you go oh he got away with that he got away with that and then one guy gets called for the same exact thing that happened five minutes ago and that's that's where it messes me up i understand like
1: as an official myself and and again like i i just do little kids games and stuff like
2: that but as an official myself As an official myself, Ryan, you heard that, right? As an official myself, the
0: 97 one little buzz going off in the the background. Next episode, Tyler, I need you to wear your ref shirt.
1: I will. I will. I'll I'll get it. It's wet right now if I did six games this weekend. But, anyways, um, as an official myself, I understand, like, I ref little kids' games or officiate little kids' games. And, you know, between mites until. bantams I will say is kind of where I'm at at this point but anyways I do a lot of those games and yes not as much as riding on this but you still hear it from parents when you make inconsistent calls or you haven't been calling something all day and then all of a sudden your arm goes up and you're calling it so I understand that I think the biggest thing I've learned just as being an official myself if you start if you call things early in the game the game doesn't get out of hand if you if you're, you're consistent, you call things early in the game. Things don't get out hands Yeah, the ref the controls the game. I do, especially the games that I do, like whether it's making a call or like hollering at him from the corner, be like, don't do that shit. I've done that. I've done that before just to keep the game going and, and to not give a kid a little a penalty for a little slash, you know, on the stick or something. If it's up on the hands and you got to call it, but. The, basically, my point is, it's it's a hard thing to do, but they do need to have a better feel for the game, and they do need to, if something's egregious, call the penalty. If it's not egregious and and it feels like you don't have to call it, then don't call it. But be
2: consistent. Be consistent. That's the point.
1: Okay, unless it's overtime, then everything goes. Unless it's yeah, I finally found game. the athletic
2: article I was looking for as we were talking
0: through this. They're actually down in calls. Right now, this season compared to last season in the playoffs, because last year was ridiculous. This is coming into last this last Thursday, but it's up from the seven seasons prior. However, they go on to say in the very next paragraph, of course, even with that number of penalties called, it's easy to point to the most egregious misses. Yeah. And that's the thing that is pissing me off to no end
2: because it disrupts the flow of the game. And it doesn't make sense when you see it happen five minutes prior, and then it happens again and isn't called.
0: And there were several and in, couple instances in Game Six in Tampa, the high stick, and then there was another either interference or something else happened like the very start of overtime that did not get called. That was blatant. I think it was a tri- I think it was Stamcos getting tripped or some shit like that.
2: I want to get you guys as winners from round two, uh, your predictions from round two, before we move on to the next segment. So. We're going to have Florida versus Toronto. Who you got winning?
0: If Florida somehow wins two games, I'll be amazed. I say Leafs and six.
2: Okay, I say Cats and six. We've got Carolina and who I... Well, we can't really predict this one yet because it's not over. Um, but for me, I think it'll be Carolina and New Jersey. Uh, Seattle and Dallas. Who you got? I got
1: the Stars
2: in seven.
0: Is Pavelski coming back? Yeah, he's supposed to. I think the stars are going to be too powerful. I thought the same thing with, with Colorado, but at the same time, they've been so friggin' beat up this year that in a way that Seattle series, them not winning it isn't surprising. Um, but I, I think I got to lean Dallas here.
1: Yeah. The draft that the stars had uh, several years ago, drafting Heskinnen, uh Robertson and Ottinger in the same draft. I mean, that's, You talk about, like, saving a franchise. Jim Nill has saved the Dallas Stars for 10 years, probably. You know, I mean, you have a number one defenseman, a top goal scorer who can also play center a little bit, and then you also have, you know, one of the best young goalies in
2: the NHL.
0: So It's almost like when he left, our drafting got worse.
2: Exactly. Seattle and six. Uh, You've got Vegas and Edmonton. This will be a very... I think this is going to be a great matchup because it's Eichel versus McDavid.
0: This will be high power speed again, like the L.A. LA series. So I think I, I'm, I'm pulling Edmonton. How many games? Seven. Yeah, I, I,
1: I think this series is a little bit more of a runaway than everyone kind of thinks at this point. Who's For home? Reason- I'm sorry.
0: Who's got, who's got the home, home advantage? Uh, Vegas, I think.
1: Vegas, yeah. They were the number one seed in the West.
0: If Edmonton's going to do it, they've got to do it in six. If
1: not, Vegas in seven. See, I think this is a lot similar to the Battle of Alberta last year. I think it's it's kind of a hyped up series. It ends up being really good games, but I think it I think it ends at five. I think the Oilers win at five.
2: Vegas and seven. That's what I got. So uh, we've got. I, I'm I'm going Seattle, Vegas, Florida, and Hurricanes.
0: I think whoever wins this uh, Rangers Devils series beats beats Carolina.
2: I don't know, man. Carolina is an interesting team. I think they're they pretty are. underrated.
0: I think that they're. I mean, they've shown that they can do it. But the way I don't know, if if the Rangers can get through New Jersey, I think they'll they'll definitely get through um, Carolina. And I think that New Jersey, the way they've been able to turn it on and get right the ship, if they can carry that momentum, then they're they're going to blow through Carolina as well. I, I just the way these two teams are. I mean, I, I say that and then watch the Carolina game, and they just took control play with guys even out hurt. So the New York teams, New Jersey teams, I, I think they've got the best chance there. Not the Islanders, of course.
1: I think the Rangers win that series uh, if if it ends up being the Rangers. If it's the Devils, I think Carolina wins. Um, but I think the Rangers uh, seem to have Carolina's number in general, and if they can win game seven against the Devils, I mean, they're gonna. Just just to say, I mean, I think Carolina is a little bit too banged up. I think if they were at full strength, they could beat either the Rangers or the Devils. But a I little think, bit like Colorado. coming Exactly. This. Yeah, I think they're a little bit too banged up, especially on
2: offense. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick uh, break for a message from our sponsors. And we'll come back to talk about a little draft lottery wrinkle that has been uncovered uh, recently that could make the lottery pretty interesting. But we'll be right back in one minute. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. You can always take the underdogs like the Florida Panthers and the Seattle Kraken to win tonight to make some bonus money. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Let's face it, with coffee starting at $5, yes, even without any customizations, and our bank account somehow always depleting, we are officially entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing, but are priced differently solely based on brand name. So a good duplicate or dupe is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on, Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon is a premium audio that is perfect price point. So you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of those other more big name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee, offer two years of product protection insurance just for a few bucks, and free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. They have over 50,000 five star reviews with features such as customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation and awareness mode. You cannot go wrong with Raycon earbuds. Go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score 15% off buyraycon.com THPN. And we're back. And we're going to talk about something interesting that we confused—not we, me, I confused a bunch of people with earlier, and we had to go back and forth and say, "Hey, that's not right." And we're like, "No, that's right." And I had to message Tankathon, and then they came back and and confirmed that I was correct. So we had initially thought, or kind of put out there, that the Red Wings could either pick one uh, if they won the lotteries in, in the draft lotteries, they could pick one to nine, 10 or 11, with other five. So there's actually a possibility that they can pick third. It is a 0.2% chance, and here's how it works. If the Ottawa Senators win the lottery, the first lottery for the first overall pick, they can only move up 10 spots, taking them from 12 to two. Then if the Red Wings win the second lottery, For the second overall pick, since Ottawa's locked in from winning the first at the second uh, spot, the Red Wings would then get the third overall pick. So, and there's a point, I think they said uh, Tankathon has it as a 0.2% chance of that happening. Now, if we get the number three pick, phenomenal. If we get the number one or two pick, phenomenal. My my guess is we're going to go down to 10 or 11, but... The Red Wings can get pick one, two, or three, depending on how the lottery shakes out. Gonna and happen. It all it all depends on now. If it happens, great. Welcome to Detroit, Matvey Mitchkoff, Right, like that's what happens there.
1: If we were to get two and get Fantilli, how lucky would that be? That
2: would just be like perfect. If you were to get one, two, or three, I mean, it's just that's phenomenal. You you win in life, and you're set up, and like rebuild over just fill in your roster and develop the guys you already have and and you're good to go there and then maybe eiserman's like yeah i can make a few more trades and the the draft lottery is exactly one week from today so we will know our position on the 8th we're not not live recording are we uh we may have a draft part i think we normally do like a lottery party thing so we can do that on zoom but we will have tony on on the ninth. And we will know exactly where we're picking. So the only other pick that's kind of up in the air is the pick from the Islanders. If the Florida Panthers uh, move on to the conference final, that pick moves to 17 instead of 18. It's currently locked in at 18. So the Red Wings could pick 1, 2, 3, 9, 10, or 11, depending on how each lottery shakes out. Because they do two separate lotteries for the picks. They do the lottery for the first overall pick, lock it in then the rest of the bingo balls go in lottery for the second overall pick lock that in. And now with the rule that a team can only move up 10 spots, say team 14 in the standings gets the first overall pick. They move up to pick four. They don't go all the way up to pick one because it can only move up 10 spots.
0: What well, took the wings getting utterly fucked for yeah. them to
2: change the rules for them to yeah. like to get fucked again. Well, to get just fucked even harder, Ryan. Um, and in that case, though, if if a team below 11, which I think 11 is Vancouver Canucks, if a team below 11 wins the lottery for the first overall pick, the Ducks automatically get the first overall pick without having to win anything. So there's a lot of ways this can go horribly it be wrong. It's me the dumbest
0: fucking thing in the world that's going
2: to happen. It is. Uh, the Devils are up one to nothing over the rags. Thank God. I can't stand I, Patrick Kane. I don't want to see it happen. Get rid of it. Goodbye. Shoot it out the window. So I confirmed this situation with a bunch of people. Uh, Thanks, Mark Shag, for confirming it for me. Thank you to the guys over at Tankathon. Uh, There's a bunch of people in there that are like, this is just another BS way the Red Wings can get fucked in the lottery. Of course it is. It's a terrible side effect of only making people able to move up 10 spots. I do like that, though. Although I wish it would have happened like two years ago uh, that this would have went into effect because then the Red Wings would have been in a pretty good position
0: now, granted, we wouldn't have Raymond Insider, but it's still fucking annoying. It is annoying. Well, I think the biggest thing with it is the, the we would have had
1: Alexis Lafreniere, but we wouldn't have Lucas Raymond. So I guess at that point, you know, you take the good with the bad. I mean, I think Raymond at this point has showed that he's a better player than Lafreniere. So, I don't know. I mean, in hindsight, was it that bad to to drop
2: to four or whatever it was? I just thought it was really interesting because this whole time we're like, we can get one, two or nine to 11. And they're like, no, we could actually get three. And it's just got to be the perfect s- set of circumstances. And the stars have to align in a specific way for it to happen. But, you know, with us, it will happen. But that would still mean we get the third overall pick, which I'll take over the nine, 10 or 11. Um, but I thought it was really interesting.
1: Hey, I mean, Philly moved up. Before and New Jersey moved up. Both of them that year moved up. I think that was the Heishir Nolan Patrick draft. The Rangers
2: were in the playoffs and they moved up. Remember that? Remember the Rangers getting into a play-in game and and moving up. It's so fucking annoying. The lottery is still the the NHL draft lottery is still one of the worst systems in pro sports. It's just absolutely terrible, and I just I don't. I don't understand how they keep and I know I mean, I do understand because it's Gary Bettman, but I don't understand how the owners keep letting them do this when there are certain owners that just get fucked year after year after year and they just sit there and take it because Gary Bettman just keeps driving by their house and throwing money out his car window. So last thing I want to talk about tonight is a little bit about our cap situation going into free agency uh, after the playoffs are over and we start hearing more chatter about what teams might be deciding to do. So going into the off season, the Red Wings do have a lot of money to spend and they're not even gonna be at the cap floor to begin uh, this free agency period. The Red Wings will have $52,866,389 committed to the cap with $30,633,611 in free space. Now, this is beautiful. This is the most amazing situation you could possibly be in, especially when you're Steve Eiserman, who has some kind of crazy mind control wizard powers over other general managers in the league. And you've got teams like, God, I love looking at this cap-friendly list because the Montreal Canadiens have the second highest cap hit in the NHL. And they are so bad. They're so bad and have spent so much money. But there are teams like Vegas, teams like Edmonton, the Capitals, Tampa, Toronto, Vancouver, who's also bad, the Hurricanes, the Panthers, the Flyers, and the Bruins, those are like your top teams who are really cap-crunched and are going to need to get rid of some players. They're either that or they're going to have to sign some super-duper cheap players and just hope they're not bad. There's opportunity there for us to take advantage of other teams. There's also opportunity to go out and outbid people. Like Eiserman had said in his end-of-the-season presser, he's like, there are a few guys I have my eyes on. The problem is there's 31 other teams who also have their eyes on them. But what he didn't add is, I've got so much fucking money that I can outbid literally anyone and it's not gonna matter. So, you wanna, uh, Damon Severson, you can go out and get him. And I think he's probably my top defensive target. There is someone who mentioned Radko Gudis. And we always go in going, oh, Radko Gudis. he's kinda not good, right? No, Radko Gudis is fantastic. Go look the at the fancy his, stats
0: say so, anyways.
2: Go look at his Fresh sheet. He's like at an 87%. Award.
0: I was not expecting him to be rated that high. And to be honest, watching him, especially in the playoffs, he hasn't been bad. He's been, no. he's a stay home guy. He has actually, there's, there were times where he would push up, but he's smart about it. And the comparison you can make and look at is between him and Ben Sherat. Ben Sherratt has not been smart about it. No, Judas, on the other hand was it's what we thought we were getting. With Sherat is what Gudis has been doing with and it's that's the frustrating part. But anyway, to be that,
1: clear, I never thought we were getting a good player when we got Ben Sherat. I'm do, okay. Okay. That.
0: We thought we were getting a good player, not a great player, but we didn't think we were getting
1: this. I knew I, I was the one that said I didn't think that this was a good contract from the beginning. Not that the, it's gonna be hamper them, you know, crazily because it's not that high of a gap hit or anything like that, but I didn't like it at the beginning because I just didn't think Ben Sherat was that damn good of a player, to be honest. But, I mean, it, regardless of the situation, yes, they have a lot of money to play with. Um, the free agents, I don't love them. Damon Severson is a pretty good one. Um, goalie-wise, I don't know if you want to go out and get a backup and get Tristan Jari and play like a 1A, 1B. Uh, you'd put a lot lot of money in your goalie situation, I think.
2: Timo Meyer could be available. He could be, as could Alex Zabrinkit as well. Yeah, I don't want, again, I will go back to it and people on YouTube, feel free to disagree with me, but I don't want to give Ottawa first round picks. No. I don't want to do it. Now, could you look at the Colorado Avalanche and say, hey, their cap hits going up tremendously because Nathan McKinnon's about to get a $6 million raise. They've got a bunch of guys who are up for UFA. How many do they want to keep? They're not going to have any money going into the offseason. season." Do they need to trade someone like Amiko Rantanen? Now, probably that's a a stretch. Do they need to trade him? Probably not, though. If they don't resign Eric Johnson, they'll and he's 35, which they probably won't. They'll get six million dollars back. But they've got looking at this really quickly. They've got like eight UFAs. that are going to need to get paid or you're going to have to find other ones. And there, something's going to have to be done there. Now, Valerie Nachuskin's an interesting story. We don't know what happened there uh, until official news comes out. But there have been some reports that came out that it's not a good situation, uh, what ended up happening. And he is making $6.125 million next season. If you could go to a team like the Colorado Avalanche and say, hey, we've got two first-round picks and we've got some really good prospects. Are you going to trade someone like Amico Ranch? Now, it's probably not going to happen. But you have the picks, you have the prospects, you have the money to be able to go to teams like that, to be able to go to Vancouver and say, what do you want for Quinn Hughes? Because your organization is clearly bad and you make terrible decisions. Uh, what do you want for Elias Peterson? You go to Tampa Bay and say, are you even thinking about trading Braden Point? Probably not. But you go ask about it. You go to Florida and the Panthers, cap's only going up a million. So sure, it's not only, like- and that's why the situation is the way that it is. You go to Florida Panthers and you say, hey, Carter Verhage, he has two more years at 4.166 million. We've seen what he can do. He's a proven goal scorer who is who just won them the series against Boston. How and he's going to be he's 27 years old right now. What do you want for Carter Verhey? Because you can't keep him because of your cap situation. It'll be really interesting to see what Iserman can pull out of his hat because in his postseason presser, he alluded to the fact that the free agent market sucks. But he also alluded to the fact that he's got pieces and there are other teams that are going to be in pretty big trouble here coming up shortly. I mean, if Edmonton fails and Leon Dreisaitl says trade me, what are they going to do? Right. But I mean, at but the same after time, though, they wipe their tears away, Ryan, I mean,
0: they're fucked if that's the case. I mean, that you have arguably the second most dynamic player in hockey. Now, what is, does that maintain without McDavid? I think so, because now you become the focal point of any team that you're pretty much going to instantly with the exception of like three, maybe four teams like he is. Maybe he's arguably the best player on any other team he goes to other than where he's at right now. And you can argue semantics with the top five players in hockey. I get it. But he is one of those players in the NHL. He might be the best player in the
1: NHL right now.
0: You could say, it. Nah, yeah, the For way he's the playing offense. right now. I mean, I'll take McDavid's ability to actually play some defense over um, the dead controller of Dreisaitl.
2: I think what you have Uh-oh. to look at is, yeah, I know, right? I was going to say something. I'm like, ah, they're like 10 seconds behind me. Tyler, did did you catch up? Oh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, the Devils are up two to nothing now. Uh, So, Leon Drysidle, what they also have to think about, what Kenny has to think about, is that he has two years left on his contract at $8.5 million. McDavid makes $12.5 million until 2026, 27, and Drysidle ends a year before. What is he going to want? Similar. He's going to want, and I wouldn't say the same. I mean, you look at it, and he's uh, Connor McDavid's the best player, generational player to be the best player in the NHL for a very long time. He's a cheat code on skates, but Leon dry going to probably want 11 million, 10 and a half million. How many teams can give him that? That's the thing. Now the cap will go up past this season. You're probably going to look at a $3 million raise or $4 million raise continually past this season once escrows paid off. But You've you've got to be thinking long-term for your team. And you've got Zach Hyman signed through the end of the fucking world. You've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins signed through 2028-29. You've got Darnell Nurse signed to 2029-30. Like Ken Holland was throwing fucking Hail Marys out there. And it's not and if they again, if they lose this round of the playoffs, what are they going to have to do? And even if they don't lose, what are they going to have to do? Because it's it's not looking good. They've got Oscar Clefbaum on LTIR, Mike Smith on LTIR, Ryan Murray on LTIR. Going into next season, their projected cap hit is $78,980,000 with $4,500,000 in free cap space. They've got four UFAs, three R- four RFAs. Two of their RFAs are arbitration eligible. So they've got no money. They've got to move someone out. And these this are teams the you can take advantage of. Exactly. This if they don't the win bro. this year, what happens? You got to blow it up. I don't know. Yeah. If blow it up. But they no, you, you, to, you have to do something, though. Do something.
0: Yeah. Like you, you can't roll with that much money out there. I mean, Eckholm, they got six million dollars. Like you said, like, hello, nurse, nine point two five. I mean, dry slidle Hyman, you think might be the one that, to try to chop, but he'll be 31 in June.
2: Thank you, Ryan, for the Animaniacs reference. What did I say? You said, hello, nurse. No, it <laughs> was a good one. Ew. Yeah, but I think that, again, the Edmonton Oilers are a team that Iserman could possibly take advantage of. And I think these are things, when you think about it and you go, hey, Grindline podcast, how do you come up with this content in the offseason when everything is so boring and nothing happens until the playoffs are over the for Tim
0: Detroit?
2: cap? Sure, there's that. But then there's also, just look at all the the storylines that could go into it. And this is just one of them. It's get excited about the amount of money. Like for for the nerds in the audience, uh, Steve Iserman is smog. And what smog was good at, what dragons are good at is hoarding treasure. And if you've watched the Hobbit movies, uh, he lives in a cave full of gold. And that is basically Steve Iserman right now. He's hoarding all the cap space, because he knows the situation the league is in. He knows the situation the cap is in. And he knows the situation, or he knows how many dumb moves these other GMs make for no reason. I think he also knows that his young
0: players right now, there's only one that he's going to have to really pony up for out the gate.
2: And that's Mosider, And he's alluded Correct. to getting that done this summer anyways. Hopefully. I think that's the one thing to keep an eye on is just the situation that Iserman has set himself up in. And the terrible situations many other GMs have put themselves in and how we can help get them out of those situations. Because the other teams at the bottom can kind of do the same thing. You know, Buffalo is going to try to load up. I just feel like Arizona half the fucking time doesn't know what they're doing. But Anaheim's going to try and do the same thing. Chicago is going to try to make themselves relevant again. Ottawa is going to try to load up and come back. So when we say the power shifts, this is how the power shifts. In three or four years, it's going to be Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo at the top of the East, and and that's where you kind of get too. and maybe Montreal, depending on how. But their cap situation right now is also awful, so they're going to be a little bit behind on being able to make these moves. But it's who's the smarter GM, and I'll put my money on Iserman. Buffalo's seven days in out a of the pretty
0: week. good spot going into the next season. Granted, they're yeah. they're going to be paying Thompson and Cousins seven point one mil. A, Per person. But they're looking at. I mean their whole defense. With the exception of Cal Clegg. Is signed. But he's arbitration eligible. RFA. They're good on goaltending. Arguably. And then. Like they've already got a roster size of 20. And only 64 million. Hold up in that roster. And you've got Kyle Poso's contract falling off. Which was 6 million dollars. So you. They've got the potential to make, make some noise.
1: Buffalo is one of those teams. I kind of look at that, that is is on par with Ottawa that, that is on, on the rise as, as are the wings, you know, the wings might be a little bit behind um, this year. I mean, it, it could be a little bit different come next year with player development and, you know, other guys that you sign or trade for. That's the other thing. There's still a trade possibility. Um, so yeah, I mean those teams are the the power shift is is I mean obviously Tampa's gonna take a step back at some point. Boston is gonna take a step back at some point.
0: We thought there'd be more of a step back this year, and we were horribly mistaken.
1: Yeah, but if if both of their two guys retire, I mean then you know that's that's a significant part of that team. That's the your two top centers basically. You know, wait who's and, is the other one?
2: Crecy and Bergeron, Bergeron? oh Crecy, yeah.
1: Sorry. And then, and then the other situation is: Are they going to be able to keep Orloff and Bertuzzi? Because they might be able to keep one. They're probably not going to be able to keep both. So I mean, there's that. Um, but then, yeah, Toronto, I guess, is the other team um, that will probably still be there, depending on the cap situation and stuff. Can they keep Matthews, kind of thing? But definitely a power shift coming.
2: So if what if you're looking for something advice on what to keep up with in the off season? Um, Keep up with us in our, our cap situation, but also keep up with the Ottawa Senators. Watch what they're doing. Watch what the Buffalo Sabres are doing. Those are the two that you kind of need to worry about because we're yep. in the same situation. And if you're talking about rivals down the road, those are our rivals down the road. It's Buffalo and it's Ottawa. And you might say right now, oh, Ottawa, they're making terrible moves, which is true because they've made some bad moves. They, they traded those assets away for it. It sounds like he doesn't want to come back and they're going to have to undersell him because he wants out. They're not going to be able to they're not going to be able to re-sign him. I think his qualifying offer is nine million, which they could do. But another team could come in and and offer him like offer sheet him more money and see if they'll match it, which they could. Again, they could do all this shit out of spite, which would be fucking hilarious. But I think they'll trade him because you don't want a guy on your team that doesn't want to play for you. Buffalo is the other team that you want to keep an eye on.
0: Toronto's cap hit is
2: absolutely incredible.
0: Now, granted, are all these guys, is is Jake Muzzin done done?
2: Uh, I don't know, and I think he's one of the players that they're really missing in a playoff situation is Jake Muzzin because that's also part of the toughness you needed to compete. I'm
0: just looking at their cap hit and everything. They're at 76 million going into next season with a roster size of 14.
2: Yeah, again, that's another one where you go, OK, one of my targets for the offseason is William Nylander. What could you trade Toronto? To Absolutely. To because they're not going to be able to keep Nylander and Matthews. Give them Zadina. Zadina, straight up, Zadina for Nylander. We'll do it. But they're not going to be able to <laughs> keep. trade is one for one. They're not going to be able to keep both William Nylander and Austin Matthews. And it's how bad does Austin Matthews want to be there now if they go far in the playoffs? I'm sure he'll stay and they'll throw as much money as they can at him to to make him stay because there's no other option. But William Nylander is probably going to be the odd man out. Now he's making 6.926366 million on uh, this season and next season. He's a UFA in 2024, 25, where he'll probably want 10 million dollars. And it looks like he may be worth it. He's 27 years old. So we'll see what happens there too. But they just They have a boatload of ufas and like seven million dollars to pay them which is absolutely hilarious uh kyle Dubis should be fired immediately but with that we're going to do final thoughts before we sign off and we're going to start with tyler because ryan's laughing at me
1: yeah uh my final thoughts are i mean the playoffs have been fantastic hopefully they continue hopefully this game kind of turns up again and we get a little bit of overtime or something but uh yeah no, I mean, the playoffs are, have been fantastic. We get to learn about the lottery sometime next week. Is it a week from today, right? Is that what you said? A week from today? So um looking forward to that as well. But you know, at this point, just enjoy the hockey, enjoy the the Tigers if that's what you
2: partake in. um but uh, or you try can... to enjoy the Tigers. It's like fucking Jekyll and Hyde out there. Yeah, what's
1: the shortstops name? Zach short he's it's playing... Zach short. Can we not talk about that level of depression right now? He's been playing good though. I, I watched the Tigers game on Saturday and he looked like a pretty good player. So That's why
2: know. it's called shortstop. It was named after Zach Short. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah. No, you can follow me on Twitter at sealdog91. I'm so proud of himself right now. Uh, it's uh, the Tigers. I think made the joke themselves on Twitter. They probably did.
0: No final thoughts. I mean, I I'm ready for the off season because there's going to be a lot of moving pieces and moving parts across the league this year because teams are so screwed now they'll make it work because that's their job and they'll figure it out and we may not see that much change from certain teams but the gms are going to have to get creative at least for one more season because if the cap doesn't go up next year (laughs) i don't know what's going to happen and who knows what the state of hockey is going to be at that point this is to me Kind of like the Lions season, and I've, I've probably said this several times over, a make make or break year. We needed to see the improvement coming into this season. We saw that. We saw the team have find a new level, and it's something that we've had excitement going into almost April for the first time in years with this team. That now needs to cross the, the threshold next season. If you're not going into the final weekend Fighting for that wild card spot, it's to me that's a failed season. Will that put extra pressure on Isaac to make something crazy happen this year? I don't think so. He's gonna still play that patient card as he should. For the fan base, and I partly blame Holland for this, and I think I will forever hold it over him, is that this should have started a lot sooner. And the utter incompetence, basically, of all of the Detroit sports teams. Shines the spotlight on him. Now, he might have the Lions be able to take some off that off his plate this year, depending on how they do, because on paper, they're looking pretty fucking good, and they had a great draft, again. And he's had a great offseason with Brad Holmes. But to me, these teams and what we just kind of touched on is going to be very important come the draft and come whatever day free agency officially starts this year. This year. So we shall see. Already running 33.
2: My final thoughts are uh go to Redbubble and search the Grindline, 20% off our store currently. And I don't know when it ends because they didn't give sale? me an end date.
0: People have been buying shit lately.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's because I put the sale out there. We have a ton of stuff. You can get us stickers, water bottles, t-shirts, hoodies, whatever. And it's all 20% off currently. And you don't even have to use a promo code. You just go there and add the stuff to your cart and check out. Or you can follow me online at uh bringing the week, you can follow Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We give a shout out to the hockey podcast network at Hockey Podnet on Twitter for Uh, Hosting our podcast and spreading it around, we like to give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. Uh, they're amazing, absolutely amazing over there, and they do all Detroit jerseys. So, go get your Detroit jerseys from them. Uh, we also give a shout out to Howie's Hockey Taper, who's the promo code Grindly, 10% off your order. If you say promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off your order. And go to our YouTube channel and subscribe and turn on notifications. That way you're notified every time an episode goes live. Plus, you get to see us laugh at each other while we are muted because we do it constantly and it doesn't come through on podcasts. So it's good presentation value. Uh, But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, town.